I don't know about you, but the guy I saw in the mirror this morning didn't look like much of a saint. (laughs) Our scripture this morning with saints in mind is from Revelation chapter 21, way, way back at the back of the Bible. One of the last words that we read in the Bible, chapter 21, verses 1 through 5, a part of the great revelation of Jesus given to St. John. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals, and he will dwell with them as their God, and they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, anymore, for the former things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Allow these words to come to reflect the image that we have just read, that we wonder about in our minds and our hearts, the new Jerusalem, that we may truly know where we are going. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen. In theaters currently, there is a movie about the first man to step foot on the moon, Neil Armstrong, who took his most famous step on July 21st, 1969. The movie is titled First Man. It's a good movie, almost worth a dozen or so dollars it takes you to get in. We're one year shy of the 50th anniversary of the first moon landing and the first moon walk. The movie brought back many memories of watching as an 11-year-old boy the historic moment when human beings in the form of one person crossed the frontier and stepped foot on uncharted territory. Somehow we had found a way to propel ourselves through the atmospheric dome, through the abyss of space, and through the miracle of math and science and some really smart astrophysicist and the steely nerves of a couple of astronauts, we were able to steer a land craft to within hundreds of feet of its original lunar destination, the last great human expedition. And when I say human, what I mean to say is that the moon landing was the first great expedition that was shared by humanity, by the global community. Peoples, nations, cultures from around the globe participated via the miracle of TV in this great, in this great small step for man and giant leap for mankind. 
We were all, in a sense, the first man. We watched in real time the first step. The entire globe sent up a cheer when Neil Armstrong hopped down from that last step. Though funded by good old American tax dollars, though propelled by the Cold War's race to the moon, it was almost in the end as if we had done it together. I wonder if one of the reasons why pretty much the entire human race was transfixed by this journey into the unknown, this voyage fraught with peril, preceded by failure, whose chance of the success was perhaps 50-50 at best, is that in many ways the expedition to the moon mirrors the very journey in which we find ourselves in this great pilgrimage of life. The truth is, from the moment of our conception, you and I started on a journey, a pilgrimage into regions unknown, a path laid before us with all sorts of twists and turns. Life is the great uncertainty, isn't it? Trace the days and years of your life and you can see all the bends in the path, all the exits taken and not taken, all the forks in the road, all the tributaries you chose without enough information, all the choices you made for which you were grateful or that you came to regret. Any person with a modicum of humility will look back and see that the safe passage so far has had more to do with the forces and circumstances beyond us than it had to do really with anything inside of us. It's a dangerous business, Tolkien's hobbit Bilbo Baggins once said. It's a dangerous business. You step into the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there is no no knowing where you might be swept off to. Good point. Life has its uneven results. Each of us comes through the same portal, the fertilized egg of our parents, but from there the rain falls on the just and the unjust, and to everything there is a season, a time to be born and a time to die, a time for love and a time for hate, a time to sow and a time to reap, a time to seek and a time to lose. And at the end of the day, we all end up on different places on the path. And we all end up with the same question, What still lies ahead? What will tomorrow bring? What will next year bring? What will the stock market do? What will my doctor say? What grade will my child bring home? Will the Wolverines ever win the Big Ten Championship? No less than the launch to the moon or the Star Trek's voyage among the stars, boldly going where no man or woman has gone before, each of us is on a very particular, very personal journey that no one has ever traversed. No one will ever replicate. Pilgrims, all of us, Last week I talked to a friend who had just returned from hiking the Appalachian Trail and she and her brother took the journey just for a few days and even within those few days told of funny and scary experiences they had on the path, people they met, weather they encountered, supplies of which they took too much and too little, sleep of which they had virtually none, branches over which they tripped, 
ledges they skirted and they rightfully boasted of the experience that was only theirs and the thrill of advancing upon the long and winding road ahead of them. Pilgrims they were. Life itself is a pilgrimage and expedition into regions unknown. It explains, doesn't it, the great draw many have to taking pilgrimage upon ancient pilgrim paths, the Camino de Santiago, the way of St. James, the ancient trail of Christians that weaves its way through France and Spain, the, the St. Andrew's way through Scotland, the pilgrim's way through England, the Kamano Kodo through Japan, each of them invitations to ponder the great pilgrimage of life, the journey that lies ahead. And if there is any ultimate journey, any ultimate pilgrimage that binds us together as human beings outside of our journey to the moon, the planets, and the stars, if there's any path that lies commonly before us, any portal through which all our trails will pass, it is finally, finally the way station called death. All our earthly lives will come to an end. The season will arrive for each of us when no breath is taken. And we will pass. We will pass into the unknown region. We all share this identical destination, the final frontier, the great mystery from which no one has returned. The great mystery from which no one has returned excepting Christ. Christ, the first man, the only man to have returned to say what lies behind the curtain, the Son of Man who returns from the mystery to tell us the really, really, really good news, that what lies ahead and beyond all the twists and turns, all the struggles and joys, all the wisely and poorly chosen forks in the road is finally the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. This is our destination, whether we know it or not, whether we believe it or not, the first man has come to tell us that he has gone and has discovered this. He has gone, as we recite in our creeds, to preach even to the place of the dead and told them. He has assured us that neither death nor life shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. For as in Adam, Paul says, all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, that at the end all of us will be at just the beginning, that when the door of death is pushed open, we finally find our home. Our home is with God. Our commonwealth is in heaven, and it always has been, and it always will be. That John the good saint heard it right, that, that God will be with us on the other side, and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death will be no more, and neither will there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away, and the first man makes everything new. This is where the trail takes us. This is the really, really, really good news. Jerusalem the Golden wrote the great 12th century Benedictine, Jerusalem the Golden with milk and honey blessed, beneath thy contemplation sink heart and voice oppressed. I know not, oh I know not, what joys await us there, what radiance of glory what bliss beyond compare. 
It's the promise that the Apostle Paul makes over and over again. Then in the end, Jesus reconciles all to himself. Jesus takes all the paths, all the trails, all the hills, all the valleys, all the roads taken and not taken, and by his love reconciles them to himself, gently leads all the sheep into the same pen. And along the way, he plants within every living soul, no matter how dimly or strongly felt, that in the end, we finally find our home, that no matter how lost we might get, no matter how wrongly we might choose, that somehow the past still gets us where we're supposed to be. In every memorial service or funeral over which I preside, I'm always sure to include the great Presbyterian prayer from the 1946 Book of Common Worship that says, We thank you, O God, we thank you, that deep in the human heart is an unquenchable trust that life does not end with death, that the Father who made us will care for us beyond the bound division, even as he cares for us here on this earth. It's what we held together as we worship with our brothers and sisters Friday night at Temple Sinai in the face of murder and terror, this unquenchable trust that despite the evil, we are held together by the Father who made us and who waits for us at the end. Perhaps it was this unquenchable trust that led Benjamin Franklin to deliver those good words upon the death of his friend, standing before the congregation said, our friend and we were invited abroad on a party of pleasure, which is to last forever. His chair was ready first, and he has gone before us. We could not all conveniently start together. And why should you and I be grieved, since we are soon to follow, and we know where to find him? For all the saints whose chairs were ready first, for all the saints, that great cloud of witnesses who cheer us all along the way, the hard and uneven way, it makes me think of the scores of cross-country meets I used to attend to watch my daughter run. Cross-country races are not ones that you can watch in their entirety. The three-mile course weaves often out of sight over hill and dale through wooded fields and over sometimes treacherous turf. And you can only see at times glimpses of the runners until, until of course, the end. And in cross-country, the whole crowd gathers up at the end. And for those last few hundred yards, you watch the runners struggling and grasping and giving it their final push to the finish line. And the crowd is cheering telling them that they can do it, and each runner staggers across the line, breathing what almost seems their last breath. And after a minute to recover, those runners join the crowd as well at the finish, cheering on their fellow runners who are on their way, welcoming them home. And that's what every runner gets to see as they draw close to the end, the great and cheering crowd, fellow runners who have fought the good fight, finished the course, kept the faith. And I think of that when I think of these saints that we remember today, those who have gone before us, that great cloud of witnesses awaiting us at the gates of the golden Jerusalem, cheering us on over foggy and uneven trails, pilgrims, all of us, making our way home, always making our way home, whether we know it or not, whether we believe it or not, making our way home to the one who put us on the path, the one who cheers us along the course, and the one who welcomes us, welcomes us, welcomes us to the other side. That, my friends, that is the really, really good news. 